Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I am your host and I'm with the beautiful Flex, I am your resident optimistic nihilist, reminding you every day of your mortality, reminding you to get your titty sucked and to live your best life. I'm with the beautiful Flex. You make it sound good every week. I'm Flex. I'm from <laughs> Sydney, Australia, but I'm very African. <laughs> yes, she Did I get is. Sad? For she those sells of you her own be- chicken salt. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who might be new to the podcast, um, Bobo is currently in South Africa, but usually records from New York and I am in Sydney, Australia, and I usually record from here. Just so you can get a distinction for our voices, um, yes. my interests include um, diversifying my income stream, yes. conspiracy theories on Reddit that I don't like to fact check. <laughs> <laughs> fact checking is so boring. Yeah. Aggressively luxuriating um, yes. and minding my own business. <laughs> Love it. I'm obsessed. So now you guys know our two different voices. <laughs> and for anyone who's new, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you here. Today's episode um, is a chit chat episode, you know, not everyday serious, not everyday academia, not everyday critical thinking, but sometimes just chit chat about absolutely nothing. So we're going to talk about absolutely nothing and absolutely everything. Mm hmm. Uh, We have a lot to say. This is our very first episode of 2020. We're entering a new decade. So yeah, there's just a lot to discuss. We also had a question about how we met and how Mm -hmm. this podcast came to be, um, which has been asked in our Facebook group, but also it's been asked, yeah, so many different times. So Flex, do you want to give the, do you want to give the kiddies a recap? I have no terribly terrible memory, but it'd be interesting to see if we <laughs> both remember it the same way. On oh, my yes. end, I was going yeah. to New York, uh, probably for work. Yeah, for work or something. Yeah, for and, work. Um, I was going alone, didn't know anyone, was happily not going to hang out with anyone because as extroverted as I can <laughs> appear, uh, <laughs> there's nothing worse than getting stuck in a dynamic with a person you don't know and end up realizing you don't really like. So I was happy to kind of like go about my holiday, working holiday situation and just like talk to shop assistants and then go out with them if they were fun. But basically somebody messaged me, uh, somebody messaged me on Instagram to say that I would like Bobo. People messaged me shit like that all the time. So I just ignored it. Um, but then eventually, <laughs> you know, like, don't you think that happens a lot when people you. go like, oh, you would love this person. And I'm like, yeah, and then what you is meet it about them? them? <laughs> but so, I, and I had been already following um, Bobo when her Instagram was purely fashion. So they had, I, they either knew her more than I did because I'm like, how you know we get along just based on us both liking colored clothes. I was like, nah, it's not enough yeah. for me. But then eventually <laughs> Bobo reached out to me and asked if I wanted to feature on an interview series she was doing on her YouTube. 
Mm. And then we did. And the conversation I don't really remember, even though it's uploaded on the internet for you to consume now via Bobo's YouTube channel. But I do remember in the conversation, we were just like, not even we're on a similar wavelength. That is not to say that we had similar views and beliefs, but just a, an understanding of the way we consume the world. And we had alluded to doing something content wise and then didn't do it. Yeah. Until like, I think it took us like four months. Yeah. To actually do it. Yeah, I feel like your story aligns somewhat similarly to mine. Someone on my end, someone I went to high school with, had messaged me out of the blue mm. to be like, oh my God, I met this, I'm following this person. I feel like you would love her. And similarly to you, I was like, I don't know, just because like she's also cute and colorful, like mm, it's not houseway. <laughs> yeah. Houseway. Um, but then <laughs> literally, but then I YouTubed you and I was watching your video on being a bad friend like why it's okay to be a bad friend (laughs) and I was like oh my god wow my soulmate (laughs) um so I messaged you immediately because then I realized actually you're in New York and I was like oh my god I was starting this interview series but really struggling to find people who are compelling so I was like oh my god finally um so then I messaged you and then we met and the conversation was good And then, yeah, we alluded to doing something, but we didn't know what we wanted to do. And then um, you messaged me, I think, February, and you're like, remember when you said we we should do something? Let's do something. And I was like, okay, actually, let's try doing a podcast. Like, Mm -hmm. let's record one episode, see how it goes, and then we'll just take it from there. So then we just figured out the tech of it all. We used our iPhones, uploaded an episode Honestly, I didn't really expect more than maybe like 20 people to listen. Mm. But then I think we hit like a thousand streams in a day. Then it was like, oh, maybe we should just keep doing this. Yeah. And it's now been a year. Almost, it's been 11 months. Mm-hmm. And now here Ten, we are. I think. Because we didn't start till February, I think. Oh, I mean, yes. March. Or was it March? Oh, yeah. No, I think it was... Was it, it was it was the beginning of the month is what I remember. Wow, eleven months. I know we've come so far. Wow, and I think it's so important is- to note because people get it twisted and assume that from the time that Bobo and I met to the time that we started the podcast that we had like made this whirlwind friendship, platonic romance, and it was just like we were so <laughs> into it and enamored. Then like, yeah, enamored. And then from that friendship, we birthed the podcast. No. I know. I, I would say the most discussion we had had before starting the podcast was that day we met in New York. And then yeah. it was kind of like a few intermittent, like commenting on Instagram photos, responding to DMs, but that was it. So literally people need to understand that i learned bobo when you learn bobo and vice versa yeah same i think what's also interesting is i think a lot of people because we also get the question of how do you start a podcast like Mm. what do i need i need to start a podcast and i think a lot of people just over plan and like aim for perfection whereas i feel like we didn't even discuss a topic before (laughs) we started recording yeah i think we were both on google hangout and i was like let's do relationships i feel like i have a lot of questions about that legit (laughs) and we didn't even have like any sort of topic discussions we didn't have any comments quite like nothing and no equipment either we used our iphone yeah basically um and that was just that and i think that's really like to answer the question of how do you start anything is to just stop aiming for perfection like just do the most 
organic, natural thing. I feel like the less planning you do when it comes to create creative things, you're probably a lot better off that way. I don't think we've planned anything, honestly. We've honestly just let this grow organically. We've spent zero dollars in marketing. Mm-hmm. We... It just happens as is. We just decide on topics based on what people are interested in and what we're interested in and what's happening in the world. It's just like an organic little baby that doesn't have to be that deep. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why it can be difficult when we get suggestions on topics that we don't know anything about or don't know anything about. Like I can't, there's a lot I can't speak on and that's why you'll find that similar themes running through. Like, we're not news anchors. Our job isn't to, like, provide you digestible information because you want it. We just talk about what we like, which is interesting. I know this isn't a QA, and a but I got this question from someone Mm. a couple days ago who had said something like, um, uh, like, how important is it for you and I to get along in order for the podcast to be as good and consumable as it is? Which I think is really interesting because when people ask me about the podcast and they try and wrap their heads around why we're not like, you know, best friends. um, Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) I think it works best that we don't know each other very well and we get to know each other through the podcast. Otherwise, you'd just be listening to two best friends and their inside jokes. Like the time- Literally. The questions we ask each other to understand each other's point of view wouldn't happen if we already knew each other quite well. So I don't think that- we need to get along in order for it to be a good podcast, but we need to be naturally interested in one another for it to be a good podcast. Yeah, I agree entirely. And I think also like what makes the conversation so easy is I think we think very differently and we perceive and consume the world very differently, but the depth of our thinking is very similar. Yeah. So I think like the depth of our curiosity about each other informs the conversations that we have And I think that also is what leads to us asking each other questions that you wouldn't generally ask your friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are less boundaries in this dynamic because we don't have to worry about each other's feelings. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Also, it's interesting, though, going back to the point you made about starting a podcast, um, a Mm. good thing to remember is that the world doesn't need more of anything. We don't need more pictures. <gasps> oh my God, thank you for more saying videos, that. Wow. More podcasts, nothing. So if you're going to make something, then you would hope that it's for you and you alone. And then if people yes. enjoy it, then that's an added bonus. If you're going to make something with the intent for it to be for somebody, then find an audience first who wants something from you and then make the podcast. Yes. Oh my God. I think I'm so I'm so glad you said that. Something I struggle with is like people constantly asking me to be a guest on this show. Mm. And the people pleaser in me finds it really hard to say no. But this has been good practice for me. Because for me, I feel I have a good like intuitive sense of who will be. And I feel like you and I are both quite picky when it comes to guests because we understand like how much that can make or break the dynamic Mm -hmm. um because i think also a lot of people i think self-importance is a far is far more abundant than self-awareness so a lot of people really like want their opinions out there 
without really being self-aware about like why the world needs to hear that opinion or like why this particular audience needs to hear that opinion. Mm. I saw a tweet the other day that said like there's so many podcasts right now that we actually don't need because they're all just like saying the same thing. And it's just like when you think of creating content, just think about it in the context of like what's already there. Like, do we need another Scarlett Johansson in Hollywood? Do we need more men? <laughs> like, do we need more men podcasters? Why are men always asking us to be guests on the show as if there aren't already like millions of men in the podcasting world? It's just like things like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. really think about, <laughs> be a lot more self self-aware than self-important. And I feel like that'll take your creativity and your art a lot further. Mm. Self-awareness is a tricky one though. Cause like, I feel like most people would describe themselves as being quite self-aware mm. and I guess self-awareness exists on a spectrum, right? So you can be self-aware in certain contexts. Like you might be really aware right. of yourself in a work context because you know exactly what you're doing, you know exactly what you're there for, you know exactly how you're perceived, but your self-awareness might falter in a romantic context because you're not as, you know, well-versed in that area. And so mm. it's a tricky one to build as well. Like I'm struggling with it currently where there I where I perceive myself to react differently in certain situations than I have. Like remember I was talking to you you um, in another episode about how I was feeling like people were very entitled to my time and that Mm. I, like I was struggling with like how to balance my time and Makunda was saying like, you know, share it with people who will value it most and that'll be like your your siblings and stuff. I was like, yeah, that's so true. But it's like this, I was self-aware enough to understand that was the concern or that was my affliction but not self-aware enough to know exactly how to fix it and that's my blind spot to my own (laughs) self-awareness so like it kind of exists on like this um this yin and yang like black and white spectrum where you're kind of like yes i can see the issue but if i don't know why the the issue exists or how to fix it then am i as self-aware as i would perceive myself to be and the answer is probably not well, I think that's still more self-aware than the average person. Do you know what mm, I mean? Like yeah. the fact that you're self-aware about even having a problem and then self-aware that you don't know how to navigate solving it. Bitch, that's <laughs> like beyond. So mad. Like that is beyond. Yeah. Someone actually sent us a question that was, how did you guys become so self-aware? What is your process? What do you think for you is the process? Hmm. I mean, I haven't I haven't been self-aware for a long time. This is, a, a, I would say, a new thing for me. Not new as in yesterday, Same. but I can distinctly remember a time where um, a friend and an ex said to me, you know, the world doesn't revolve around you, right? And really? the way that clicked, I was like, huh? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I said, huh? <laughs> I'm screaming. That's because big Aries energy. Big just, fire sign that, energy. I was like, I, I remember like there would be moments in my life where I'd be walking down the street and just looking at people. I'm like, fuck, I wonder like what happens in your head. I wonder yeah. what you think about. Like, what are you insecure about? Do you see me like I see you? It was just such a game changer. But I think that 
that uh that sentiment though i knew it in theory it never been expressed to me so like deliberately um mm. like in that moment it wasn't flattering it was like you need to wake up and realize that there's so much that happens outside of you and it's super important for you to you to see that as clearly as possible and after that yeah. i was like well, what's happening outside of me <laughs> like I, I had to start figuring it out like what like what is happening no and- i struggled with that in romance <laughs> so i feel you entirely mm. It's just so bizarre. I mean, I would say the first, the f- like the first time I became truly like not self aware, but the process to self awareness is when I was around sixteen or seventeen. I done my Myers Briggs for the first time, and mm. that was interesting to me to know that as, although you are a unique person with like unique individual characteristics, there are archetypes that flow through all of humanity, and there are right. really like. Um, common ways of behavior and i was like fuck well like if i'm like i am that means someone else is probably similar to me and there's someone else who's wildly different why and then from that you just go down a rabbit hole i think a great way to build self-awareness mm. too is ask people close to you how they perceive you like yes if you if you had to quiz your friend on you like how would you describe me what am i like when i'm angry what am i like when i'm sad what am i like when i'm feeling guilty that will help you <laughs> build a lot of self-awareness because often you realize yes. it doesn't match up you're like well who's getting it wrong am i playing a character or um does nobody know me <laughs> yeah no literally I think that too. I also think a little bit of self-loathing is mm. really is Legit. crucial to be self-aware. Yeah. I do think um some people were just hugged too much as kids <laughs> and because of that like just don't have enough self-awareness. I have a friend who she had a really really good upbringing and like just growing up was just told all the time like oh my god you're so great, you're so talented, you're so this and this and that. And I feel like now as an adult, she really doesn't have like self-awareness to self-critique. Mm. Um, and so she'll like come to me with an idea or like say something about her relationships or her friendships and be so oblivious as to how she played a role in like the deterioration of her relationships or just has no ability to like take feedback or critique. And I think it's because like, if you've been told, like, really examine your your childhood and how that's affected you now. Because if you've been told growing up that you're so great, you're so amazing, you can do no wrong, and you get to adulthood, you're really going to struggle with being self-aware. And you're really going to struggle with just, like, creating compelling art and just being able to be self-aware enough to see how you affect your relationships. And on the other hand, if you grew up and you were told all the time that you're trash and you're shit, it's going to be the opposite effect where you're just not self-aware enough about like your strengths and all that shit. So, you know, a little bit of self-loathing goes a long way. Uh, A little bit of insecurities and anxieties are really good for cultivating self-awareness. So like, let's not try and dismiss those things. (laughs) Let's, yeah, like lean into your insecurities. Like I feel like, especially if you're an artist, your insecurities and your anxieties and your worries and your self-loathing are going to really take you so far. Lean into that, like ask people around you. I really struggle with romance, like this... Like what you were talking about, Flex, of not understanding, like, how does the world not revolve around me? Yeah. When I'm having relationship problems, I really struggle to see. 
And I tend to have like the same problem all over again, which is that of like, not necessarily boredom, but the relationship sort of stagnating. Mm. And I really struggle to see like, what role did I play in this? Or I struggle to to be like, hmm, well, maybe my partner's busy right now. Or like, maybe this and this and that. So it's a, it's a working progress, honestly. I think for me, what's led to my self-awareness is growing up very insecure and anxious and depressed and, 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 and <laughs> self-loathing. <laughs> and always assuming I'm dumb. Like, I don't oh, wow. have enough. <laughs> I don't have enough ego to think I'm, like, intelligent. So... I think always feeling dumb really helps me become smart really quickly. That's so fucked. That honestly, sounds so scary. <laughs> it really is. Oh I feel God. like as soon as you think you've arrived, like that's when you lose. You know, oh, like yeah. as soon as you think, even with anything, like as soon as you think, like yeah, my relationship is good now. I don't need to work on it anymore. Like that's when it'll die. Mm. Same thing goes with your mind. Like as soon as you decide that you now know everything like that's the end that's yeah. really the end of the road for it's self-awareness. like you were saying like you don't want to be the smartest person in the room and everybody knows that and that's kind of like yeah. my my gripe with you know maintaining an audience on social media and maintaining this like educator or instructor um position because i just want to mm. be like i just want to be a bitch on the internet I want to like do my yeah. spray painting. <laughs> I want to microwave some chips. Like if I happen to provide you insight that's valuable, then take it, you know? Yeah. But I, I found that there was a time where we were both doing a lot of educating and instructing on our Instagram stories. And then mm. soon you realize that you're bringing these pretty basic concepts to an audience who's hearing it for the first time. Therefore, you kind of are the smartest person in the room and it's not really fulfilling. It's not like I not want to be able all. to have these discussions with people who are going to bring something new in and challenge me. Yeah, like there's nothing like there are a few things I like more, but you know I have um, a few followers that are staunchly vegan who always call me out on like why I don't live a more sustainable lifestyle because it would be really easy to integrate. And I'm like, this is a more interesting conversation to me than somebody yeah. asking me to explain them for the 45th time what gaslighting is, you know, like, because I, this conversation on sustainability on a micro level is interesting and they're coming on it from a personal lived experience and backing up yeah. with skills and research as opposed to someone who's like, wait, but is this situation also gaslighting? Oh. Lit- oh my god yes oh, um like I that's boring <laughs> it is but also in doing that like in doing what you do of not maintaining this i don't know the status of being the educator all the time you also just give people the agency to develop their own self-awareness and to mm-hmm. do their own thinking and and like i feel like now now i ask more questions than i do more making statements mm, yeah and that, wow, the change that's done in my audience is like people just send me articles all the time. People send me pictures of puppies. It's now like instead of me every day sending people everything, I get mm-hmm. more things sent to me than the other way around. And that's such a better way of using social media. You know, I feel like power. I think what people really want is power and being an educator all the time can feel really powerful, but it's really not fulfilling at all. Like, and there's nothing more powerful than giving people their own sense of power. Like it is just no measure of power to have people dependent on you. What you want is people to be dependent on themselves. Mm -hmm. And like that is true power. 
That was deep. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about um, the point you made about having like, uh, you know, a bit of self-loathing, uh, sorry, a bit of self-loathing and insecurity and that'll help you build self-awareness. And it's actually mm. quite true because although like I grew up in a, um, <clears throat> in a household where my mom was very affirming um, and really gassed me up consistently, she was also super critical in like a very she's african literally <laughs> in such a tough love way that i was sometimes like yeah. do you actually hear yourself but so in the same breath where she would reward me just for being myself she's like you're great you're capable you're worthwhile like don't let people waste your time like you have so much to offer make sure people you surround yourself value you keyword value um yes in the same breath should be like <laughs> she'd be like have you seen your clown suit <laughs> look at yourself <laughs> literally like, what am i looking at that is african parenting 101 101 fam <laughs> and then like the rant like it was just like everything was something pick that up put that back do that differently do it properly. everything and it's exactly how i am if if i haven't been overly critical of you then we're not close enough because yeah. <laughs> i always have some shit to say and it doesn't stop and sometimes it comes out before i realize it Oof. Oh yeah. Um so yeah, it makes a lot of sense and um every now and then I I like I'm hyper aware of like my preconceived not preconceived but like my preoccupation with being valuable and adding value and that's why I'm always like I love to be not necessarily needed but I love to be affirmed for what I do for others. But there is a point mm. where I want the affirmation to come from somebody I respect, not just anyone. And that's like that's the distinction. So, like, I want to do something that's helpful to, like, my wife, Grace. Oh, like, yeah. I love that shit. Or I want to do something indirectly helpful to a bunch of people if it's easy for me. But I don't want mm. to be the person who's, like, I don't want to be the person you ask for things. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, can you do this? Will you do this? When are you updating this? No, 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 no. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. It's really I'm interesting. I'm actually struggling at the moment with, like, setting boundaries the people who are always asking for money. Like, Ooh, how do you do well, that? you're in South Africa. <laughs> so you already this know. This is why I don't go see family. <laughs> you see? And I've been here for too... I've been here for too long, fam. Because <laughs> there's also this assumption of like, oh, you live in New York. Oh. So literally someone on Christmas asked me... They really asked me to link them with Kanye West. <laughs> I was like... The best Christmas fam. gift of all. <laughs> literally. <laughs> and the way people just ask for money with their full chest i'm just really struggling with like putting my foot down and setting boundaries how do you do that like how do you because as much as i love helping people i struggle to find the line between i love helping you but i also don't want to be the person you're always coming to for help mm. like mm. How do you do this? I guess it's harder because if people are asking me for things, it's usually virtually. And it's very easy mm. to like, you know, say no with your chest when it's over a keyboard. You like, yeah, you, you know, sandwich it with some compliments. I would love to, unfortunately, blah, blah. Um, but I'm, I'm not the most accommodating person. So people don't know not to ask me for shit. Like if you know, <laughs> it, my close friends know that I will help, but then everybody else like i just maintain enough boundary i'm like i don't know you like don't ask me for shit yeah I or love if you do so ask much. it's not gonna be simple like what's a good example 
uh, hmm. If somebody was like, uh, hey, we have, um, I'm launching a, a fashion line and I would love to have you host the event. It's, uh, you know, there's no budget, but, you know, if we make money, we'll give you some. I'll be like, congratulations, even if in person, congratulations, that's super, super awesome. Like, you know how it is. I'm a freelancer, also creative. You know I can't work for free, but I'm happy to point you yeah. to people who are, you know, a little bit more earlier in their career who can afford to who'd do be things. down. Yeah, who'd yeah. be down. It's so simple. It's, yeah, but setting boundaries is tricky, though, because I don't think what people tell you about setting boundaries is that you have to maintain them and you have to sort of hold the consequence Speak of setting that boundary. It. And that shit's yes. much harder. You can set boundaries all you want. But when people start to challenge them, that's, that's when that's it's That's the hard thing. Yeah. How do you challenge boundaries without setting ultimatums? Like, I really hate having to ever resort to ultimatums. <laughs> but that's where I always end up going. <laughs> um. I think it might it, it might be the distinction between an ultimatum and telling someone what the consequence of behavior is. Because mm. an ultimatum tells you like this it will be the con- this will be the result no matter what, and explaining the consequences makes both people accountable instead of just shifting the blame. So yeah. it's like maybe perhaps if okay, you're telling I'm someone you. like you trigger me in this way, and when I'm triggered, I act in this way. So if this continues to happen, then I know for a fact that I'm gonna respond in this way. FYI, right? That's explaining a consequence. Ultimatum would be like if you don't stop doing this, I'm like this is what's gonna happen. A con- yeah. uh, ultimatum is almost like a threat, and it's never done sweetly or gently or delicately. <laughs> and from what I am understanding about people. Everybody wants to be treated with empathy, but we struggle to give that. And so I Ooh, feel like if there was the ever tea. a time to be like softer with somebody, it'd be in conflict. But I struggle because like oh, the last same. thing. Oh, do you know what I've been struggling with recently? Oof. What? So I was thinking about love languages, right? Oh, just thinking about any like any psychological theory and how on paper and when it's like thought about Okay, so on paper, and when you're thinking about it for yourself, it's very easy to theorize how you behave. So if a personality test tells me I'm this person, like, fine. If I know that my love language is this, then it's fine. But when you're dealing with other people's things, I'm like, whoa. Yes. This is so hard. So for instance, I have a friend, right? And yeah. they their love language is words of affirmation. Simple. Mm. I should be able to do that. The thing is, I can't affirm people if they don't do things that I deem worthy of affirming. I'm screaming. So while it is simple in theory to tell you that you are great and you're doing well and I'm so impressed and I'm proud, if you are not, then I can't do that. Yeah. Oh, okay. How do we... (laughs) How do we do this then? Like... I have been struggling because I'm noticing the flaws in most of my relationships where finding this information and saying, and seeing that, you know, each person in my life likes to be treated in this way. I'm like, well, yeah. if I can't, if that doesn't like reflect the way I want to treat you, then I'm struggling. So, you know, if I have a, a you know, an acquaintance who's veering into a friend who says their, um, their love language is receiving gifts. And when we go out, they're like, oh, you know, it'd be lovely if you could pay. Why? Aren't we both invested in this? <laughs> Are we not all in this together? Oh my God. <laughs> and this 
is uh, <laughs> what I was kind of referring to earlier with the blind spots of self-awareness because one yeah. might affirm themselves for having all this information about people. I know your attachment style. I know your love language. I know your personality type. But when it comes to practicing effectively, oops. It's, yeah. There's also the difference between, because when we talk about love languages, we generally frame it as, like what love how we like to receive love and not Mm. how we give love intuitively yeah and because those are two very different things and like for me i struggle with this when it comes to romance and i've also never thought of love languages in the in the context of friendship Mm. also because i think we just take friendship (laughs) for granted in that way like we don't invest the amount of energy into our friendships that we do into our romantic relationships And what I'm finding, like for me, when it comes, I have a lot more love languages than my boyfriend. And that's another thing that I'm like, how do we... So for him, his love language is physical touch and quality time. Mm -hmm. My 1500 love languages are physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, like basically all of them. And so it's figuring out... While you like them mm, all, if you... If there was one, like if you were in a dynamic and you couldn't have one, which would make yeah. you feel the worst? Like if you were in a dynamic and there was no oh, physical quality touch, time. would that be worse than, oh, so that's your number, number one, if you had to rank them? Mm, yeah. I, in ranking from most important to least important. Actually, I don't even think physical touch is a love language of mine. Um, it's just a nice bonus. Yeah. <clears throat> but from most to least, and this is how I like to receive love, Number one is quality time. Number two is acts of service. And number three is words of affirmation. Mm. And so for my boyfriend, how he likes to receive love, his number one is quality time. Mm. And then his number two is um, physical touch. Mm. And so there's like sort of a disconnect in the sense that I really like acts of service. And he doesn't necessarily... (laughs) Like, it just doesn't really come naturally to him. And so there's, on one hand, two people have to teach and learn each other. But on the other hand, like, to what extent are you learning someone else's love language versus changing yourself to suit someone else? Mm -hmm. And, like, that's where I really struggle when it comes to love languages. Um, And that's where it can get tricky. Because it's, like, similarly in your situation... So this person is like, why don't you get get it this time? Mm. And you're like, but bitch, why though? Like, to what extent do you compromise versus, or where do you draw the line between you're going to pay and compromise for them versus you paying for this person is really just going against who you are fundamentally as a person. And like, no one needs to be doing that in relationships. Mm. Compromise is a tricky one because either way you look at it, it means that somebody else is giving up what they want in favor of the other person, whether that Mm. be like directly or indirectly for free of guilt or full of guilt doesn't really matter. But I think if, I don't know, I feel like we're so stuck in this virtuous, who's the better person? Who's going to do this thing for this other person? Let's sacrifice. But there's so many other avenues in life where it's just not necessary that you kind of hope, like, why are we so willing to, um, to put up to, what's the word I'm looking for? To give so much leeway when it comes to love and romance and relationships. Like, are we so starved that we'll just take it in any other, 
in any other way. I was asking in the Facebook group a couple months ago um, that if you were asking someone who was like a partner or a best friend to change for you, so perhaps, you know, um, I don't know, perhaps they're always late and you would want them to be on time or perhaps mm. they lie a lot and you're like, I need you to stop doing that. It's it's getting on my nerves. Yeah. Or perhaps, um, you know, they're not good at making plans with you, whatever it might be. If in response they said, you know what, I find it super hard to do and I can try, but it's going to be disingenuous. I'm going to have to fake it for you. Is that enough mm. for you? Is that what you want? And I feel like a lot of people get, uh, get it twisted where they think they want a change an honest change behavior versus just a change in behavior because yeah. an honest change behavior usually takes longer than you're willing to wait around for it requires Absolutely. a lot more effort than the person is willing to give you and just a change of behavior usually gets you to where you want to go we're so stuck mm. up in like it needs to be genuine it needs to be transparent it needs to be authentic and it's like look people does don't, it really though? does it yeah <laughs> does it that's the thing and this is what I, i've literally had this conversation with my boyfriend back on this love languages thing whereas like i would like you or for me active service is like buying me flowers and like all that cheesy like making me a playlist all that cheesy romantic shit that i live for and we had this discussion where he was like okay i'll get you flowers like once a week and i was like no but i want it to be a surprise and it got into this conversation where he was like, look, it doesn't like I'm not intuitively a hyper romantic person and you are. So for me to meet your romantic needs is going to take a change in me. But it's it doesn't mean like I want to do this. Yeah. And I really struggled with like. I want you to buy me flowers, but I want you to want to buy me flowers. I don't want to have to tell you to buy me flowers. And I really like struggle with that. In that, like, is it really even a rational, is it rational for me to even ask that of someone? Like, can I really ask someone to want to do something? Or is the most that I can ask of someone is just for them to do it, Mm. you know? And that's where it really gets tricky. Because can we expect that of anyone? And if truly, like, someone can't give you that, where do you go from there? Like, is that just, is that the end? (laughs) And then we die. And then we die. And that's just that. The conversation is always there. Like, do people, do you owe people things and do people owe you? And then it'll be a discussion Mm. till like the day the earth swallows swallows us up because those who are more more privileged will assume that they don't owe anyone anything and that like their privilege is for them and themselves. And people who are on um, like the receiving or who are less fortunate, not even talking like monetarily or socially, just in a dynamic will feel as though yeah. they're owed something. Oh my goodness. On the topic though, um, mm. a couple of days ago, I um, showed my audience on Instagram story, one of um, my reflex cards. Um, and we were talking, I think the question was something like, would you rather be hurt or hurt? Was that the question? Oh, yes. Let me actually find it because I feel like the res- um, the results were super interesting and it goes yeah. back to the conversation about self-awareness um, and how when we look at our behavior in certain situations, we're easily able to forgive ourselves or to see that, you know, we had the right intentions or, you know, while we may have done a quote unquote bad thing, we have room to be better, but we don't give other people that same kind of um, that space to be human. Anyway, so the question was, would you rather be hurt 
or hurt people. And of mm. um, 2,840 people said they would prefer to be hurt. And then 1,812 people said they would prefer to hurt. So in percentages, that's 69% saying they would rather be hurt. And then 31% say they would rather hurt. Mm. Which I was like, okay. Interesting. Well, I said a consideration is that you don't have to intend to hurt for your actions to be considered harmful and the impact of your behavior and how it's perceived should factor into how you respond. Um, and then I said, you know, do you perceive someone who rather hurt? Okay, actually, let's say how it answers. So I would much rather hurt than be hurt. Mm. The thing is, as why we, is that? As we sit on our iPhones and conceptualize, what I was it is literally to- gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> I was as gonna we go there. Conceptualize what it is to hurt. <laughs> We're thinking of worst case scenario. Am I a yeah. violent murderer? Am I abusive? Am I, you know, dangerous? Am I homophobe? Like all these things that exist in like, I guess, as a small percentage of what it is to hurt. Right? Yeah. And then to make sure everybody was on the same page, before I shared that reflex card, I I shared the dictionary definition of hurt. And to hurt is to cause pain or injury to, or to be Mm. detrimental to. And we know pain exists on a spectrum. Emotional pain, physical pain, mental pain, spirit, all that good stuff. So when people are telling me they would rather be hurt, Think of all the ways that you are slighted as a human and how far you'd go to complain about that, saying that people shouldn't treat you like that, that you are worthy, that you are prized. Yet when given an option, you would much rather choose to experience that than the alternative. Why the complaints? I think it's... I think people are thinking about it on... Because at first glance, I would have also said, no, I'd rather be hurt. Purely because of... I don't deal with guilt very well. But when I really think about it realistically, like on a macro level and the ways that I live my life, like this morning I went to the store and I bought some tomatoes. Mm -hmm. How many people did I hurt in that process? Like just by virtue, you know what I mean? Like just by virtue of the fact that like I do sort of exist on the top of the food chain as far as humans, like I don't really have to worry about being homeless or money. let's map it out for people who don't understand why that would be hurtful. So let's say you buy this, um, you buy this tomato Tomato. from a a corporation who buys their produce from farmers that they underpay. And these farmers then have to underpay. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, others to make sure that these corporations get their tomatoes Basically. Then... Yeah. These corporations are most often funding fossil fuels. They're funding like slavery, slavery, like just on a macro level. Their money isn't necessarily always going to good place. And it's hard to imagine that when you're buying into a corporation that's selling you groceries, that they could have a hand in other less than savory areas. In Australia, we have um, this corporation called West Farmers. I'm pretty sure they Mm. own like both of the, like some of the biggest, um, uh, grocery chains but they also like have a stake in like banks um 
petrol, like oil, all this shit. Like it's so intertwined that you really can't escape it. And it's interesting to me, like not to say that people who answered weren't self-aware enough to know that about themselves, but people struggled to really break apart the question and say, okay, despite whether or not I would hurt or be hurt, how does that play out on a day-to-day basis? Who am I hurting just by existing, number one? Just by existing. Who do I hurt indirectly? Somebody messaged me and said, oh, I I spent some time thinking about it because I think about, you know, the times where I have a bad (coughs) attitude or I am, you know, moody or dismissive or I might yell at like a bus driver or something. And while I might justify that behavior because I'm hurting, have I indirectly hurt someone? So, which I think is very fair because Mm. it's easy to assume that when we say the word hurt, we're thinking about about diabolical pain, not the day to day in which somebody could perceive your behavior as being hurtful so i asked my story again like do you perceive having um you know an attitude or not being personable or approachable as being hurtful and 44 percent said yes and 56 percent said no and i said Mm. when i read that as well i'm like it's very interesting because while you may not perceive your your behavior like let's say you're not personable while it may not seem to you that that isn't hurtful how can you know that the way that's being interpreted isn't hurting someone that's that's another thing we just don't have the range and And so and and then if you could know what would you do about it mm. you know like i don't know i think about that too and i think also a lot of the reason why we think that we would rather be hurt than to hurt is because we often think of ourselves as separate from the systems that we exist in. So a lot of us think like, yeah, I exist under capitalism, but I didn't choose to exist under here. So by virtue of that, I'm separate from it. But no, each and every single one of us, as cruel and oppressive as capitalism is, each and every single one of us are part of the system. We are actively (laughs) contributing to the system and creating it every single day. And so, and the conversation that I have with Makundwa all the time is like, none of us have killed Trump. Like, none of us have set Scott Morrison's house on fire. Like, none of us have broken Boris Johnson's ankles. None of us have really done anything to really try and dismantle these systems. So when we really think about it, we're just as, not just as complicit, but we're really all complicit in the suffering in the mass suffering that these people have caused because we we participate in it and we let them go on. And it's like something I also think about is if the 99% were to rise up mm. and they just decided, I've had enough, like enough is enough. I'm going to kill all these niggas. Like, would I sit and let them kill me because I really am part of the class that oppresses them? Or would I run for the or would I run for my life and try to preserve my life? And I think honestly, the only ethical thing to do in that scenario is to sit back and let them kill me because I've really caused so much suffering for them. And if you're not doing that, like if you're not willing to sacrifice your comfort just to alleviate someone else's suffering, how can you really say with your full chest that you would rather be hurt than to hurt? Mm when every day you're inflicting so much suffering. It's interesting, right? And yeah. I was careful. I noticed um, when I used to do a lot of these polls um, and questionnaires, at the end of them, I really used to like talk people through my thought process or kind of 
us to think deeper and further about it. But then it came became more about people letting me know they weren't a bad person than just answering a bit more critically and honestly. Um, mm, and the, interesting. I was saying that like, because on face value, the question seems quite simple and easy. But doing yeah. this process with someone, like if you would much rather when given the hypothetical option to hurt or be hurt, you would choose to be hurt. At what lengths will you will you let someone inflict harm onto you? Because that's what we're talking mm. about. We're not talking about self harm. Yeah, we're talking about letting yeah. others inflict harm onto you. Like, so what? What of your luxuries are you willing to sacrifice? Not saying yeah. it's necessary. Are you willing to give up your iPhone? Yeah. yeah, and yeah, not saying it's necessary. But these questions start hypothetically, and then they move into a more literal space. Because part of the the frustration um, I have with like not just my audience, but people in our age group. Like, because I, I don't hang out with anyone who's on our age group, but my frustration is we're so virtuous when it comes to hypotheticals. Like, I would yes. never, like, I couldn't, I wouldn't. I like, would why? never enslave and, anyone. <laughs> and I'm like, of course, because you're you're thinking about these grandiose situations that would never happen, but on a micro level, you do incite those things. Like, you are harmful, you are hurtful. And as hard as it is to think that, like, me, me, this, like, you know, um, like, upper middle class girl who lives in like Sydney I'm hurtful how all I do is like go to uni and go to work and then I still live at home like how is that hurtful and it's like is that all your lifestyle surely you know how fast fashion works surely you know what eating meat is right surely oh no surely 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 you know what driving around in the car does to the environment right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but again it feels that's condescending to have to tell somebody that and i don't want to be the guilt police who's like are you sure you don't feel guilty yet you don't feel guilty yet what about this does this yeah. make you feel guilty because that's not fucking fun but it's also boring um like starting to not have the nuanced conversation yeah who, yeah who can't be truthful <laughs> that's the thing i had a really frustrating conversation and one of my resolutions for 2020 is to stop um being mad at people who defend billionaires but I had a really frustrating <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I really go in on people. Like I, it's like one of those things that I really take personally because it's again like something about critical. Hold on, my niece is my niece is here. Can I help you guys? <laughs> what? What is this microphone for? I'm recording something. Can you guys Aww. leave the room? Why are you talking to? I'm talking to Flex. Who's Flex? She's my friend. <laughs> Why do you need to speak hello, Flex. Oh, hello. <laughs> guys, this is why kids are perfect. Flex. Do you see? Like, they yeah. really don't why? care. Who is Flex. she? Who are you Flex. talking to? I know. Not my phone. That is that. Okay. Can we have this conversation in, an, in two hours? No, thanks. Not oh my, wow. Hold on, let me kick these niggas out wow. the room. <laughs> they say no bully. Go take Fluffy for a walk. Hold on. I'm going <laughs> to kick these niggas out the room. <laughs> Don't have kids. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Hello. 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 Oh no. Bye. Bye. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> so special. Like that is that is how I want to like in a nutshell more interactions like that. <laughs> is that how you, you want to live? Why is the microphone <laughs> on? Who is she? Why you need to talk to her on a mic? Yeah, just talk to I her. Just, no- wow, <laughs> really beautiful. 
<laughs> Honestly, um, what was I saying? Oh, yes. I get really frustrated with people who defend billionaires. Mm-hmm. And one of my resolutions is to stop arguing with those people. Mm-hmm. And I think if this is a very similar question because I was having this a really heated argument with uh, two of my friends about whether or not being a billionaire is ethical. Mm-hmm. And their argument was, well, he took a... We were talking about Jeff Bezos specifically. Mm-hmm. Their argument was, well, he took a risk and it, it worked out. He became highly successful and now he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 no. Capitalism doesn't work that way. He took a risk. It worked out. And... Then he exploited and enslaved millions of people just so that he could become a million a billionaire. Like I don't think people understand the magnitude of what a billion dollars is and the level of cruelty, exploitation, and slavery that's required to become a billionaire. And so when we think about these, like when we really think about like what it takes to become successful on that scale or what it means to participate in capitalism, people don't go beyond the thinking of he worked hard and he became successful and that's all there is. People don't think outside of how do my actions affect other people? Like how does Jeff Bezos's actions affect his profits? What did he have to do to become a billionaire? These are the questions, these are the reasons why people think it would be easier why people think that they would rather be harmed than to harm. Just by supporting Amazon, just by buying something from Amazon, you are supporting his mass exploitation. You're supporting his mass slavery. You're supporting the fact that his factories have the highest suicide rates. Another common argument is, well, the people who work for Jeff Bezos chose to work there. The people who earn $8 an hour, they chose to work there. And it's like, once again your flawed understanding of how capitalism works makes you think that you choose freely to work for $8 an an hour under slave conditions instead of realizing that the system forces you under these conditions. And therefore, it is slavery. Like, there's just so much critical thinking that people don't have when we talk about what is cruelty? What is harm? What is capitalism? And so everyone feels virtuous because they feel so far removed from a system that they're complicit in creating every day. It's wild. Mm. Just acknowledge that we are all harmful. And thank you. <laughs> like the way I see it, and it goes back to the discussion we had so many episodes ago about morality and whether we are inherently good or bad, which we don't mm. need to rehash, but. A point I was making is um, I find it really interesting that people, like, do people realize what you are committing yourself to when you identify so far with being virtuous? <laughs> like, it's mm. and, and how you're so easily contradicted. Like, yeah. being, like, being harmful is just admitting, like, not, I, not identifying with saying I'm a harmful person, but acknowledging that you behave in harmful ways. You're complicit. free yeah. you also and understanding like, oh, there's there's a supply chain here and I'm on it. Like you're not alone on this no, like, literally. island and you're benefiting from it. It's you and millions <laughs> of other people who are doing the thing. <laughs> like, so by taking on some response, like by taking on a bit of acknowledgement, you're not making yourself fully responsible. You're just acknowledging yeah. the facts. That you're part of the system. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. 
Are my best Hold friends on. back? They are back. They brought my puppy. Oh. I know. I wish he could talk. And me so too. Cute. Bring puppy on the air. I know. Okay, take puppy back. Thank you. Yes. I also don't think, to go off your point, I don't think you can be a good person until you acknowledge and are accountable for the ways that you cause cruelty and harm in the world. Yeah. Like the first step even to being first, it's not possible to be good under capitalism because the only ethical consumption under capitalism is to kill the one percent. So if you're not doing that, um, you're already just off the bat. You're already trash. Um, whether or not we're inherently like that or not is like another argument which we won't rehash. It's again, people feel so far removed from their actions that they think they're virtuous and good, but it's like, no. Like the first step to being good is admitting that you're trash. (laughs) Not even serial killers think they're bad people. Like very few will go on record saying I'm a bad person. There's always a circumstance, past trauma that's, you know, influenced their current behavior. Somebody triggered them. Somebody forced their hand. There's always a story. Nobody, like, not yeah. nobody, very few, few people think they're bad. So it's like, <laughs> we're not, and, and by admitting that you have the ability to cause harm or be hurtful is also yeah. not saying that you're bad. It's just acknowledging the facts. But that question I always find very interesting and um, not even the initial answer, but how people then choose to justify what answer they've picked and why I always find mm. so interesting. That's why the game is interesting. It is. And I think, I guess when people read that question, the first place their mind goes to is, would I rather cheat on my boyfriend or not? Like, you know, like it's pretty like surface level things where people aren't really thinking critically about like, how do their actions affect the world around them? Like on a day to day basis. It's fucking crazy. I love it. The best game in the world. Honestly, go buy Reflex. Um, We'll link in the description box below where you can get it love it save your relationships build some intimacy yes um, answer questions with nuance and not also oh my god we should have a reflex segment we should let's just answer we should start just answering one at the end of the episode to wrap up because what i um when i had um a launch party for the next reflex um that we're releasing the end of the month people are like oh we just wish we'd know how like how you would answer i'm like oh i never thought about that but the discussion is really important to me because the questions at face value oh that was the other critique i had so people were saying when i was um when i post these like polls or questionnaires on instagram like why don't i give them more options options than just a yes or no answer like hold on let me find the exact post because this one. Oh, okay so people were like to me it's not that simple i can't pick either or not every situation is black or white and i was like i know like this is exactly why you're given that's the thing <laughs> i'm like you take that energy you critically think and you unpack your answers further nobody's telling you to choose a yes or no and stick to it it's the idea that providing a limited option for a response encourages you to hop out of the gray area and really think and theorize people love to be stuck in that hole mm. well like it depends like on it depends on the circumstance i know so talk me through your thought process you know? exactly like when i'm like do you think murder um do you think murder um is acceptable or unacceptable 
you'd be like, well, it depends. I know. I love that question. (laughs) Yes. People get really stuck there. And it's like, fam, like, Mm. keep talking. And they get stuck on murdering people. Not murdering the cockroach you saw in your bathroom in the middle of the night. Not murdering animals. Mm. Like, not murdering people's egos. Like, (laughs) She said murdering people's egos. Because we do that shit constantly. We love to tear down. And it'd be Let's end with a, a another reflex question. Mm. Okay. Another option. Hold on, let me bring the deck. Mm. Let me pick a juicy one. One sec. Feels like we've talked about everything and nothing. I know, right? I love that feeling. Time flies. When you have <laughs> we went so deep everything. too. Oh, we should get people in the Facebook group to answer it as well. Oh, yes. If you haven't joined our Facebook group, please go join right now. We have the best conversations in there. All right. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Bobo and Flex. Do the thing. Oh, I can't pick. Okay. Would you rather be naive or jaded? Actually, let me talk into the mic. I don't think I'm talking One more time. Would you rather be okay. naive or jaded? Naive. Why? Fully, 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 fully. Um, because I think to live under a false sense of security, a false sense of stability, a false sense of anything, if that's what brings you peace, then, you know, why not? I guess, I guess what would really make a difference is to what extent does my, my naivety cause harm to other people? Because the thing about ignorance is that it's usually very violent. Mm. Like, I think about the ways that, like, people who are racist aren't usually very malicious. They're honestly just ignorant. <laughs> or people who, for the racist. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. people who vote for Trump are generally not malicious mm. at all. They actually are just morons. <laughs> but the problem with stupidity is that it's really, really violent. Mm. I think it's re- that's that's what makes this question really hard. It's like... Would I rather be happy at the expense of other people or miserable as the utilitarian option? Which, in if if I'm framing the question that way, then I'd rather be jaded. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not reframing. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> okay, maybe perhaps this will help. So the dictionary definition yeah. of naive um, is mm. showing a lack of experience, wisdom, or judgment, or to be natural and unaffected, innocent. And to be jaded that's is violent. to be bored or lacking enthusiasm, typically after having had too much of something. And the informal yeah. way to use jaded is to be physically tired or exhausted. I'm going to pick jaded. Absolutely. Just because I think, Absolutely. yeah, naivety is violent. <laughs> I do feel like the world favors naivety over being jaded. I feel like there's <gasps> really? a certain amount. Yeah. I feel like there's a certain amount of... um. Uh, responsibility people feel they have over j uh, sorry i feel like there's a certain amount of responsibility people feel they have over naive people when you meet someone who doesn't really have as much experience as you do in some areas you meet someone who's like oh i've never been on a date before i've never had um an orgasm and you know i've only had sex yeah. twice or you know uh, if this is my first real job or like i um i've never gone overseas before there's a certain amount yeah. of responsibility that like you have to to lead them it kind of puts you on this weird pedestal suddenly like you are providing you're instructing you're adding value or at least it's the way i see mm. it that i feel like yeah. you are going to be nurtured more so than you'd be taken advantage of i think 
initially when, when oh, I think of naivety, I'm, initially I'm like, well, someone's take advantage of them. But that's just in theory. In yeah. practice, when I've met someone who's naive, I feel more responsible than not. However, yeah, to coddle them. Yeah. However, like as myself and like in contrast to how, into contrast to how I feel on a day-to-day basis, I'd much rather have lived, gained some wisdom and felt like I didn't have, and just felt like indifferent about a scenario than to have not done right. it at all and had a childlike enthusiasm about it to have that shut down later. <laughs> Cause yeah. like, it's really hard to rebuild after you've had your expectations crushed. I, yeah. I agree with that entirely. I also think naivety is gendered in the sense that I think men are allowed more space to be naive and to be ignorant than women are. Mm. And the extent to which we coddle men as a result of their naivety, as opposed to punish women for being naive, also makes a difference, you know? Like, why are men so much more... I remember with my ex, him just being baffled, like, absolutely shocked. The fact that I get, like, harassed so much on the street. (laughs) And I was just like, how did you not... How could you not know this? Like, you've been alive for so long and you don't know that this is how men treat women Mm. like why are you so naive to how your own gender of people behaves in the world you know what i mean yeah and so in that way i think women just are forced to be more intelligent and because of that to be more jaded Mm. so it's it's yeah it's interesting I, i also um googled uh, a core example of how somebody would describe naivety and i think this is really interesting this guy called Mm. john mixon says that um the five ways of being naive is that believing others think or feel the same way or a similar way that you do and i feel like a lot of the internet struggles with that one let me tell you yeah absolutely yeah they do no they do and it it is naive to think that it is naive to think that people think the way you do purely because what (laughs) because you're both humans like what Mm. um the second bubbles are very yeah yeah bubbles are prevalent they are um the second one is, is assuming that people who act nice are nice yes yeah which you know although it's tricky because you don't want to have i think skepticism about people is healthy because mm-hmm. you don't know like i don't know people how would we yeah it's nice to assume that everybody has your best interest at heart but that is truly false <laughs> yeah so um, no it is but again it's like i, I wouldn't want to walk around the world being like what's your what's your agenda you were sweet to me yeah. therefore um i think for me how i deal with that i hope for the best but expect the worst and that will save you a lot of heartbreak. Yeah. Number three is assuming that because you've spoken with, sorry, assuming that because you've spoken with a person who assures you that they understand you, that they actually do understand you, which is yeah. a huge one because I feel so triggered by being misunderstood. Just nothing, yeah. like nothing gets me down more. <laughs> All of us. Where I feel like people just aren't hearing me as intended. And there are only so many ways you can reiterate the same phrase. That being like, it's just, it's not going to hit because you don't see me how I see me. You don't see the situation yeah. how I see the situation. It's done. Um, and it's, you'll, you'll spend a lifetime 
uh, in turmoil trying to make everybody understand you. It's just not going to happen. A lot of people just are committed to misunderstanding you. <laughs> yes. And that's also just not your problem. A, you know I mean? a full-time <laughs> Literally. Job. You know, and that's just, a lot of people are just committed to being willfully ignorant And something that I'm learning right now is to not take that personally. Mm. And so I've stopped arguing with people who earn $5 an hour, who defend, you know, billionaire slavery and mass exploitation. As much as you can show them the facts and show them the statistics and show them this, this and that, they're just committed to their own ignorance. So it's like, I just cannot take that personally. I have to keep it pushing. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> uh, number four, this one, whew, <laughs> that by using your experience and people skills, you can spot certain types of people accurately. I swear, the first mm. time I came across personality typing, I really thought I had everybody figured out. I thought everybody yeah. was so predictable to me. Or even, you know, I will say like when I come across a new psychological skill, like, you know, when I first came across um attachment styles i was trying to point them out in everyone like oh i see it like i see you're avoidant you're this and you start to label yeah. people based on your really really narrow i used to do that with are. astrology yes you know exactly with astrology you are such a yeah. fucking scorpio i, I can feel you know it. and he's like i'm a libra you're like yeah no i, I definitely was like a libra moon or something we literally constantly and it's so dangerous um it is and the last one is assuming that things will go the way that you need them to which is just yes come on you will end up in mcdonald <laughs> you will end up straight on the fryer making such assumptions you actually just no Mm-mm. it's interesting right it's so like, interesting. You can being naive seems like a really easy get out of jail free card, but in in practice, you're like there. It's it actually mm. causes so much harm. Yeah. On that note, do you think astrology has harmed us more than it's helped us? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel like people really use? I remember the friend that I was telling you about, the ex friend that I recently had a breakup with. When I was confronting her about like, why are you trying to sabotage my relationship? She, one of her responses was, well, I'm just a Capricorn. Like I, it's just my Capricorn <laughs> energy with my Leo moon. Oh. And I'm just like, we've taken this too far. Yeah. We've just taken this too far. I feel like astrology is literally just meant to be used as a tool to help you like understand the world around you a little bit better but people really take it as the end all be all and it's like you're like being a gemini isn't your personality like it's it's actually not but my gripe isn't even with astrology it's the idea that astrology is like a practice of centuries it's a, like mm. a skill it's a vocation um uh, it's people's like life's calling so the fact that we've like butchered it down to a few digital apps and we've assumed I that know. we have the most nuanced understanding of that and from that we're going to now brand people it's just not happening granted if i went to it's an astrologer crazy. and they said x y and z based on this so and so yeah but i'm not talking to like Susie, you know you know from perth talking about oh well this happened like i'm not really oh you know what? what's that youtube channel we like is it jubilee or something One of oh those. yes yeah they had this um this social experiment where basically they would like 
they would online date, but in real life. So they would put a girl on, on a stool in the middle of a room and surround her with 20 men. And then from that, they would, she would like virtual message all the men in one group chat and ask them questions. And then if they didn't match with her, then they would have to go. But in the introduction mm. to this video, she was talking about what she likes and what she doesn't like. And she said something like, oh, like if you're a Scorpio, like you just have to go. You just have to go. Wow. And so naturally the Scorpios went. And then she comes back and she's like, I'm not even into astrology like that. So it's become such a deciding <laughs> factor. You've ruled out a quarter of your dating pool, but you're not really yeah. into it. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? How, Sway? How, Sway? No, it's... It's interesting. It's actually crazy. Yeah. I think we'll we'll have a more in-depth discussion on astrology because we've had quite a few questions on that. Yeah. We should get um, an astrologer on because I was read by I would. Chani Nicholas. She's like done astrology for like 20 oh years God. or something. Yes. And that was incredible. Oh, also. Wait, that's actually such a brilliant idea. We need to get anyone who's listening. If you know a really incredible astrologer. Who's Personable. Legit, great to talk to. Who can come on yes. the show and hold their own. No, yes. like, don't bring some person who's going to be, like, all shy and be like, I don't know if it's real Yeah, no shyness allowed. I want some. <laughs> I want an astrologer to come in and do a compatibility on our dynamic and see if it matches the way we actually are. That'd be fucking sick. Ooh, that would be incredible. Legit. And to be fair, we should talk about ways being jaded would be worse than being naive. Because I don't want to, like, rag on the naive people. But I was thinking about how um, if you were a jaded person – you would be like when it comes to like prejudice and preconceived ideas on the world, that shit can be so dangerous. If we were all jaded, yeah. it'd be very hard to encourage social change. You know, like, oh, I was alive in the 60s. I saw this rally and nothing happened. Therefore, I'm not going to protest. Yeah. You know? I sort of feel like I am more jaded than I I think. Okay, if I'm saying optimism versus pessimism, I think I'm a lot more pessimistic than I am optimistic. And that's just by virtue of like, I don't know, just becoming more like self-aware and just becoming more aware of the world. It's like, I feel like the world feels really dark right now. Mm. And it's a lot easier to be jaded than it is to like have like naive optimism, you know? Yeah. Like where on the spectrum do you feel like you fall? I'm definitely more jaded. Absolutely. Mm. Um, but I'm, I want to make sure that like my jaded, jadedness isn't completely prejudiced. Like I don't want to be like, I've had this many experiences with this many people. Therefore all people are like this. Cause that's not yeah, helpful. Um, not at but all. But unfortunately I meet very few people who challenge the way I think about certain things. So like, um, mm. like, so recently I was talking about how I get really frustrated, um, when speaking to people who aren't entrepreneurs who aspire to be entrepreneurs and the first step to change is dming someone to be like hey how do you do it yeah and no, then that i think about all the critiques so- about like millennials being so entitled and like struggling with work ethic and not being oh my feeling. god and i'm like well yeah hmm, interesting you know or every time yeah. i want to encourage like discussion that's nuanced and i get the same like this, do you know what a good example is? Today, Rowie um, posted on her story that she, yeah. for those of you who don't know, Rowie Singh, a good friend of mine, follow her on Instagram, she's amazing. But she posted yeah, on her story and said so something cute. to the effect of, you know, like, fuck the pill. Um, 
I had such a bad experience with it. It gave me adult acne. It's terrible. I hate it. Her own personal opinion and experience, you know, you just can't. So people that. took that personally. The mm-hmm. amount of people who came back to her, which then had to make her do a post that said, hello, like I understand that bodies are different and people can have positive experiences <laughs> on the pill. Like I think but I'm talking think about mine by now. <laughs> and I'm like, this is my frustration with sharing a personal opinion because people now assume that you are thinking that's fact you can know you can have a terrible experience on the pill and know that the pill works some people you can have a terrible experience dating men and know that some people date men and have amazing times you have a terrible experience going to college and know that people have amazing experiences going to college literally and it's why we still explain this to like to adults blows my mind so that's why i i like my jadedness really comes to the forefront because some things i can't be bothered being naive about like i have oh, less yeah. and less time for certain types of people because of my experience and it's not gonna like it doesn't change my life to have more patience for people in my dms not really oh my god <laughs> yeah it's something that i i struggle with that too because i'm also quite opinionated but I find that it's really the most banal things that I post that really takes people off the most. Yeah. Like the other day I posted um, a recipe. I don't know what I was making, um, but I think it was like banana, like vegan banana bread or something like that or vegan mac and cheese. And I posted the recipe on my story and someone came at me sideways as fuck talking about, <laughs> well, not everyone can afford to be vegan. And if you must know... <laughs> Like, oh being God. vegan isn't the be-all, end-all. I'm like, fam, you're offended by me minding my own business in my own corner eating vegan banana bread. <laughs> at no point did I point a gun at anyone and say, if you're not vegan, you're a terrible person. And it's like, that is also something that frustrates me so much, how people will take something that has nothing to do with them at all and make it about them entirely. And it's like, at this point, I just block people. But it is so frustrating. And sometimes it just makes me want to stop posting at all. Yeah. But then I have to remember that, like, the people who are annoying are actually just 1%. Like, That's most of it. the people who follow us are actually really lovely. <laughs> and this is this is where, like, jadedness versus, I don't know, optimism can come in. Where it's like, it's really easy to believe darkness and to believe, like, the pessimism and the frustration and the annoyances and the grievances of everyday life and to believe that like they persist more than everything else but that's just not true at all and so even when I get really shitty comments or people send me really shitty messages I have to stay I've created a folder on my phone of just really nice comments and love letters that people send me because I have to stay reminding myself that the people who are shit are actually just 1% Legit. of yeah of the world, you know? Mm. And that's how you keep yourself from becoming really jaded yeah. is to like perspective. Absolutely. You know how we talked about in, um, was it last episode, the episode before, about how like we're just not made to live in communities of this size. We're not meant to interact yeah. with people as we do like at this rate, you know? So when I when we, when I are complaining about the interactions we're having, 
it's hard for people to relate because you're not receiving 400 DMs a day with critiques of you or ways in which you can do better for them or what else you can do for free for somebody else or why this was offensive to them, why your personal experience didn't resonate with them. You know, why do you, like, why do you have to mention that you're black? Why do you, like, why don't you post more? That's the one I hate the most. Like, why, (laughs) like, um... You know, like these things, it's like, yeah, okay, like these are all considerations, but I don't need to hear that 400 times a day. A day. Every day. Yeah. And then you want me to be gentle about how I respond, you know, like tact works Imagine. both ways. It really does. So I don't know. Yeah. I think we got a question from our Q&A, which was, how do you stay hopeful and happy in a world that's this dark, which I think goes back to how do you not become so jaded? Um, how are you doing this? Um, the only way I can think about how I've been doing this recently is trying to like find, like find, I don't know, upskilling, I feel like, but like not for Mm. an economic sense, but just for a personal value sense. Because as we talk about like the apocalypse often, I'm just like, I don't have anything to add. And you know how I'm preoccupied with adding value? Like, what can I do? I can't can't really cook shit, can't build shit, like can't do much (laughs) in terms of being practical with my hands and my own body. So just learning about how to like make and build and be worthwhile. And that has been really fun. It's been deriving joy seeing things through as well. I feel like, you know, in Mm. high school, you know, you're challenged to start things and finish things. You've got a project, it's due, submit, or even college, you've got an essay, it's due, submit. But in adulthood, you don't really have any onus to do anything unless you really want to there's no pat on the back afterwards lucky there's instagram to gratify us but like sitting on the floor for three hours and making a vase out of clay and then liking it when it's done that's fun and that's really keeping me joyous the less to be honest the less i interact with people the better i'm finding myself i've really been like same that's the trick just like (laughs) what's what's the word turning into a bit of a reclusive Because people Mm. are just like, when I think about the problems I have or like the things that make me anxious or frustrated, it's dealing with people who I don't have to be dealing with. I don't need to be talking to strangers on the internet. Like I don't need to get caught up about that stuff. So I just log off, spray paint some stuff, go to bed. Honestly, no, arguing with people on the internet will honestly destroy your entire week. Yeah. And I found that too, which is also why I'm very, and people get mad at me for this, but. I follow, I think as far as human beings, like not more than four really. Mm. And two of those are you and Mukundwa. So it's like, as much as it offends people, I just think my peace of mind is just so much more valuable than other people's fragile egos. And so you got to do what you got to do. I think something else for me, because I also tend to fall into depressive episodes and sometimes they're just triggered by like the apocalypse or like seeing what's happening in the world. If you've been depressed, especially, it's really easy to believe your depression because depression tells you that this is going to last forever. But like the only thing bigger than pessimism and depression is time. And so you just can't trust what's going on in your head because only time can tell. Like, the undulations of life are dark and light. So after the darkness must come light. And so there's no use getting worked up about it. You just got to go get your ass ate. I'm just so much about big enjoyment Mm -hmm. and just, I feel like I've just been on one long ass holiday for the past two months. 
because it's just like that's all you have like all you have is just your human relationships and your joy like extract as much of that from your life as possible yeah, and do like, tangible things that's it spend as much time seeking big enjoyment as you do trying to like deconstruct his text yeah no literally literally Period. the time you spend I waiting for him I to said. text you back <laughs> you said what you said mm-hmm. The time you spend creating an entire Instagram story and watching it over and over again, checking to see if he saw you, please go take that time into planting some trees. Like, just do something outside of your phone, outside of yourself, just for funsies, and call it a day. And that is the end of this episode. It is. Wow, this has been an hour and a half. We'll have to split this into two. Enjoy. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to us ramble. I hope you'll get your teddy sucked. I hope you'll stop texting him back. And I hope you'll follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and join our Facebook group. It's called Bobo and Flex. It is in the description box below. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you thought of this chit-chatty episode. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. 